Chapter Two of the Story of Eclipses. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Olson Fytak, Los Angeles. The Story of Eclipses by George Chambers. Chapter Two. General Ideas. The primary meaning of the word eclipse, eclipsus, is a forsaking, quitting, or disappearance. Hence, the covering over of something by something else, or the immersion of something in something. And these apparently crude definitions will be found on investigation to represent precisely the facts of the case. Inasmuch as the earth and the moon are, for our present purpose, practically solid bodies each must cast a shadow into space as the result of being illuminated by the sun regarded as a source of light what we shall eventually have to consider is what results arise from the existence of these shadows according to the circumstances under which they are viewed but before reaching this point some other preliminary considerations must be dealt with the various bodies which together make up the solar system, that is to say, in particular, those bodies called the planets, some of them primary, others secondary, alias satellites or moons, are constantly in motion. Consequently, if we imagine a line to be drawn between any two at any given time, such a line will point in a different direction at another time, and so it may occasionally happen that three of these ever-moving bodies will come into one and the same straight line. Now the consequences of this state of things were admirably well pointed out nearly half a century ago by a popular writer who in his day greatly aided the development of science amongst the masses when one of the extremes of the series of three bodies which thus assume a common direction is the sun the intermediate body deprives the other extreme body either wholly or partially of the illumination which it habitually receives when one of the extremes is the earth the intermediate body intercepts wholly or partially the other extreme body from the view of the observers situated at places on the earth which are in the common line of direction and the intermediate body is seen to pass over the other extreme body as it enters upon or leaves the common line of direction the phenomena resulting from such contingencies of position and direction are variously denominated eclipses, transits, and occultations according to the relative apparent magnitudes of the interposing and obscured bodies and according to the circumstances which attend them. The earth moves around the sun once in every year. The moon moves around the earth once in every lunar month, 27 days. 
I hope everybody understands those essential facts. Then we must note that the earth moves round the sun in a certain plane. It is nothing for our present purpose what that plane is. If the moon, as the earth's companion, moved round the earth in the same plane, an eclipse of the sun would happen regularly every month when the moon was in conjunction, new moon, and also every month at the intermediate period there would be a total eclipse of the moon on the occasion of every opposition or full moon. But inasmuch as the moon's orbit does not lie in quite the same plane as the earth's, but is inclined thereto at an angle which may be taken to average about five and one-eighth degrees, the actual facts are different. That is to say, instead of there being in every year about twenty-five eclipses, solar and lunar, in nearly equal numbers, which there would be if the orbits had identical planes, there are only a very few eclipses in the year, never, under the most favorable circumstances, more than seven, and sometimes as few as two. Nor are the numbers equally apportioned. In years where there are seven eclipses, five of them may be of the sun and two of the moon where there are only two eclipses, both must be of the sun. Under no circumstances can there be in any one year more than three eclipses of the moon, and in some years there will be none. The reasons for these diversities are of a technical character, and a full elucidation of them would not be of interest to the general reader. It may here be added, parenthetically, that the occasions will be very rare of there being five solar eclipses in one year. This last happened in 1823, and will only happen once again in the next two centuries, namely in 1935. If a total eclipse of the sun happens early in January, there may be another in December of the same year, as in 1889, January 1st, and December 22nd. This will not happen again till 2057, when there will be total eclipses on January 5th and December 26th. There is one very curious fact which may be here conveniently stated as a bare fact, reserving the explanation of it for a future page, namely, that eclipses of the sun and moon are linked together in a certain chain or sequence, which takes rather more than eighteen years to run out when the sequence recurs and recurs ad infinitum. In this eighteen-year period, which bears the name of the Saros, there usually happen seventy 
eclipses of which forty-one are of the sun and twenty-nine of the moon accordingly eclipses of the sun are more numerous than those of the moon in the proportion of about three to two yet at any given place on the earth more lunar eclipses are visible than solar eclipses because the former when they occur are visible over the whole hemisphere of the earth which is turned towards the moon whilst the area over which a total eclipse of the sun is visible is but a belt of the earth no more than about one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy miles wide partial eclipses of the sun however are visible over a very much wider area on either side of the path traversed by the moon's shadow confining our attention in the first instance to eclipses of the sun the diagrams figure two and figure three will make clear with very little verbal description the essential features of the two principal kinds of eclipses of the sun in these figures s represents the sun m the moon and e the earth they are not of course even approximately drawn to scale either as to the size of the bodies or their relative distances but this is a matter of no moment as regards the principles involved m being in sunshine receives light on as it were the left-hand side which faces s the sun the shadow of the moon cast into space is in the particular case thrown as regards its tip on to the earth and is intercepted by the earth persons at the moment situated on the earth within the limits of this shadow will not see any part of the sun at all they will see in fact nothing but the moon as a black disk with only such light behind and around it as may be reflected back on to the sky by the illuminated but to the earth invisible hemisphere of the moon or as may proceed from the sun's corona to be described presently the condition of things therefore is that known as a total eclipse of the sun so far as regards the inhabitants of the narrow strip of earth primarily affected figure three represents nearly but not quite the same condition of things here the earth and the moon are in those parts of their respective orbits which put the two bodies at or near the maximum distance possible from the sun and from one another the moon casts its usual shadow but the tip does not actually reach any part of the earth's surface or in other words to an observer on the earth the moon is not big enough to conceal the whole body of the sun the result is this at the instant of central coincidence the moon covers up only the centre of the sun leaving the outer edge all round uncovered this outer edge 
shows as a bright ring of light and the eclipse is of the sort known as an annular eclipse of the sun as the greatest breadth of the annulus can never exceed one and a half minutes of arc an annular eclipse may sometimes in some part of its track become almost or quite total and vice versa the idea will naturally suggest itself what exactly does happen to the inhabitants living outside on the one side or the other of the strip of the earth where the central line of shadow falls this depends in every case on circumstances but it may be stated generally that the inhabitants outside the central line but within one thousand to two thousand miles on either side will see a larger or smaller part of the sun concealed by the moon's solid body simultaneously with the total concealment of the sun to the favored individuals who live or who for the moment are located within the limits of the central zone now we must advance one stage in our conceptions of the movements of the earth and the moon so far as regards the bearing of those movements on the question of eclipses the earth moves in a plane which is called the plane of the ecliptic and correspondingly the sun has an apparent annual motion in the same plane the moon moving in a different plane inclined to the first mentioned one to the extent of rather more than five degrees the moon's orbit will evidently intersect the ecliptic in two places these places of intersection are called nodes and the line which may be imagined to join these nodes is called the line of nodes when the moon is crossing the ecliptic from the south to the north side thereof the moon is said to be passing through its ascending node the converse of this will be the moon passing back again from the north side of the ecliptic to the south side which is the descending node such changes of position with the terms designating them apply not only to the moon in its movement round the earth but to all the planets and comets circulating round the sun and also to satellites circulating round certain of the planets but with these matters we have no concern now End of chapter 2. Recording by Linda Olson Pytak, Los Angeles.